Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today I'm talking to Blair Bass, who voiced Evan Peel in Star Wars The Clone Wars during the iconic Citadel arc. Blair is a fantastic guest, full of great stories about his start as a voice actor and his experiences in a galaxy far, far away. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 117, Blair Bass. What was your first interaction with voice acting? What made you even want to consider becoming a voice actor or even just getting into show business in in general? Well, the voice acting thing is really interesting. My dad had been in radio and he had done voiceovers and commercials in New York. So I always sort of knew what voiceover is. It's kind of an in vogue thing now. Everyone is familiar with it. I think primarily because so many celebrities started getting involved in voiceover initially in animation that's where it first became even though you can't see them visible there have always been celebs who have done commercial voiceover work most of it was overseas because they ostensibly didn't want to ruin their image with american audiences i had worked in radio in college Mm -hmm. and uh, both at my college's uh, radio station WVKR, which was Vassar College's radio station. And during summers, I worked in radio at a station in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is where I'm originally from. After college, I could not get work acting or in radio, and I ended up in production. I worked for Showtime, which was a fledgling cable network at the time instead of the behemoth that it is today. And I ultimately worked my way up to being a writer-producer of on-air promotion, which are all of the advertisements that you see for the programs on the on the channels. I directed a lot of voice talent. And again, I, I was familiar with it, so it was an easy transition for me to make. Ultimately, I moved to Los Angeles. I continued working in production, started working in some of uh, the earliest reality crime shows. There was a show on NBC that I had worked on as a writer-producer. Oftentimes, when you are producing either promos or even if you're producing documentary type series, you put a scratch track down. That's basically the temporary voice track to give all of the executives and producers a chance to see and hear what's ultimately going to be on screen. One day, I had been freelancing at NBC uh, in their promo department, and one day I brought in some promos that I had produced, and my voice was on, and it was on the scratch track. And a lot of the people in the room said, well, who, who's that voice? That, that voice isn't familiar. And I go, well, that's my voice. I'm just doing the scratch track. They said, why are you doing this when you should be doing that? <laughs> Which was kind of a nice validation of my ability to do that. I, I always felt that I could. And I spoke to some friends in, uh, who I had actually produced and directed who were pretty big voiceover talents in Los Angeles. And I spoke to one of them, a woman named Carrie Tombazian, who was also on radio here. And I said, you know, I I really think I can do this. And her attitude was, oh, all of you producers with nice voices think you can do this. Well, it's more than having a nice voice. And she said, I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to treat you as though I'm the producer. I'm going to give you copy and I'm going to direct you and I'll give you an honest opinion when we're (laughs) 
done. So we actually did that. And we went through like about 15 or 20 commercial scripts. And at the end of it, she looked at me and she said, you know, I was all prepared to tell you why you shouldn't do this, but I think you should do this. And I think <laughs> you could have a really good career doing this, but you need to take a voiceover class, which mm -hmm. kind of, I, I was mystified by because, you know, I'd taken acting classes as sure. a kid because, you know, I always harbored this desire to perform. I, in college, also in New York, before I moved to Los Angeles, studied acting in New York, but I'd never heard of a voiceover class. They're very popular things to take now, but at the time there were not a lot of people who were teaching these classes. She referred me to a woman who ultimately became my first agent. She sent me to her. She worked for Carrie's agent, and it took a little while to get into her class. She was getting married. There were a whole bunch of things going on. And I finally took the class and I could tell that she was connecting with me and felt that I had a marginal degree of ability. After the class was over, she sort of like disappeared. She was no longer working for the agent that she had been working for. Ultimately, I found out that she had joined another voiceover agency. Because I'd been a producer, I had access to all of the tracks to things I'd produced. So I put together a small demo reel. And I was always honest with people. I'm a producer. This is what I've done. Please take a listen. I finally got reconnected with the woman who had become my agent. Her name is Lisa Schwab. I followed up with a phone call and she said, oh, you know, I thought the demo was really good. I'd like you to come in and meet one of the partners at the agency. And I did. And I thought that she was being very courteous to me because I did well in her class but she brought me in and I met with one of the partners of the agency and we're chit-chatting away and the next thing I know the woman literally opens a drawer up and pulls a contract out and says here I'd like to sign you and I'm like well what what and she says well why do you think you're here she said, Lisa thinks that you're good and you're going to work and I trust what she says. So yeah, she goes, why did you think you were here? And I'm like, I don't know. I thought you were being nice to me because <laughs> I knew Lisa. Things moved very, very quickly for me. Within six weeks of signing, they'd got me out on all of these auditions. In LA at the time, each agency, and they still do have their own recording studios. So you do a lot of auditions from your agent's office, but there would also be voice casting directors and I was sent out on a audition for American Express. I, it was just another audition to me because I knew that I was just starting out and I really had no high expectations at all and I never really saw it as the way that I would have a primary career. I always mm -hmm. thought, okay, I'll keep producing, I'll keep writing. Right. I was writing screenplays at the time. This is going to be a great way to supplement my income. Cut to the chase, I booked the job and it was <laughs> a major, major national campaign. Right. And it got me into the union and it got me health coverage. And right. I'm thinking, oh, this is great. And I didn't work again for another six wow. months. Yeah. So I thought, oh, oh, maybe I'm going to work more now. No, I, that didn't happen. About six months later, though, things started to pick up and I started booking right. a lot. After about a year and a half, I had a pretty good career doing commercials mm -hmm. going on on air promotion but I hadn't really done any animation at the time it was a very segmented business you know there were the animation stars and I don't mean like celebrity stars I mean you had people who were well known in the animation community and if you were into animation you knew who they were I was not part of that group I knew those people I was friends with those people I did a different thing but ultimately I did start 
doing some animation work and video game work. That kind of led to my auditioning for Clone Wars. I didn't know that I was auditioning for Clone Wars because everything is very secretive when it came to Lucasfilms <laughs> right. and Star Wars. I was I brought in by the animation agent at my agency, a woman named Natanya Rose. I was given a piece of copy, I was given a script, and I was told this is for a somewhat tough space commander. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the role was That's great. described to me. Uh -huh. So like tough space commander. Okay. So I went in and I kind of like channeled who would be kind of tough, but a little bit of sophistication. So I channeled a little bit of Harrison Ford. Uh -huh. It was kind of like flat tough and an older actor from film and TV named Robert Wagner. And I did the audition a few weeks later, I get called by my agent and they said, oh, you booked that star. Star Wars job that you auditioned for. And I'm like, what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. And she goes, oh, you know that Space Commander thing? We couldn't tell you what the project was, but it's for Star Wars Clone Wars. That was very cool, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. <laughs> I knew a number of the people who were regulars on the show. You know, I just figured it was a guest role, but it turned out to be a three-episode arc. Right. I went in and I did it, and it was unlike other animation work that I had done or video game work because it was like we went into a studio and the entire cast was in the studio at right. the same time. So it was done like old-time radio drama, which was really, really great because you're able to play off everybody. You are going through the show top to bottom. Dave Filani, who I'm sure everyone in your <laughs> audience knows who Davis? He was there directing the episode. Before I got into the booth with everybody, I was talking to him and he goes, oh, this is a great episode. It's not even an episode. It's three episodes. Uh -huh. And you're going to have this great arc and you're playing Evan Peel and you're a Jedi warrior and it's really great. And he shows me a picture of the character. I looked at the character and I'm thinking, wow, he kind of looks like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Except he wasn't green with big ears. <laughs> anyway, he says, now I will tell you this, you are going to die. <laughs> he said, but you're going to have a magnificent death. It's going to be right. a spectacular death. But I'm telling you right from the beginning, but I'm also going to tell you this. It is Star Wars. No promises, but there's a chance that maybe somehow in the Star Wars universe, you will come back. Right. But I'm, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, that would be really great. <laughs> so I, I all, <laughs> it's like, I would really like to have an ongoing recurring, <laughs> right. uh, which any actor wants. So we went in and we did the three episodes and again it was top to bottom and it was just a lot of fun and i was this you know tough kind of general mm -hmm. doing my lines you know blah 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 done i was scheduled to go back to the east coast i have an agent in new york as well and i went back to the east coast for a couple of months to work there and go out on auditions and i did some theater auditions out there one day i get a phone call and it's my agent and she says, hey, Blair, um, you remember that Star Wars thing you did, uh, you know, a couple of months ago? I'm like, are they bringing me back? <laughs> Am I rising from the dead? And they're like, no. <laughs> In fact, they are thinking about replacing the voice. Oh. And I'm like, what? And they said, yeah, you know, they... 
they're looking for somebody who can do a Russian accent, something like a Russian or Eastern European accent. And I go, well, it just so happens that that's one of the best accents I do. I go, can I, can I audition for the part that I already had? And she's like, yeah, well, they do want to give you first shot. Yeah. And we told them that you can do all sorts of accents. So just record it to us, get it to us right away. I had my recording mm-hmm. gear with me. I always take it on the road just in case, because there's no such yeah. thing as a vacation anymore. You always have to be prepared to work. So I re-auditioned. I gave Evan a bit of a, it was sort of a hybrid Russian Czechoslovakian, I don't know, accent. So I did that and they brought me back which is you know was thrilling right. to no end you want to work as a performer but i really wanted to be on this show <laughs> right it was just really like no i really want to do this this is a great part and i go in and they don't have the rest of the cast there it's more like a traditional session where i'm in the studio alone and dave was there and i walked in the door and he's like oh thank you so much for re-auditioning thank you so much for coming back i really wanted to work with you and i'm glad you could do this but you know george has this idea that everybody who is a unique character from another world Mm -hmm. has to have their own accent, something that differentiates them from the rest of the cast. I said, George Lucas listens to every one of these? (laughs) He goes, oh yeah. (laughs) And I said, so George Lucas was listening to me and decided the first time that that wasn't right, but he listened to me the second time (laughs) and he said, okay, go ahead. And I'm thinking, this is the greatest thing because in a roundabout way, George Lucas picked me for this role. (laughs) So, you know, so it was a very exciting experience. So that was a very (laughs) long-winded... That was a very long-winded tale of how I went from knowing about voiceovers to doing voiceovers to being on Clone Wars. To getting picked by George Lucas to do Clone Wars. Yeah, (laughs) and to this day, you know, I get a lot of mileage out of that. And I get a lot of mileage out of having worked with Dave because of The Mandalorian. Right. So so (laughs) I really, every now and then I'll drop a name like Right. So it's like, well, George Lucas picked me and I worked with uh, Dave Filani and blah, blah, blah. I love it. I love it. And that's, I mean, that's an incredible journey. And again, a testament to just finding that opportunity and really making sure that you are prepared and then leaping into it when the opportunity presents itself. I was, I was very fortunate and I've been very fortunate throughout the entire time. And I won't tell you how many years now that I've been (laughs) doing this, but throughout the entire time that I have been working in voiceover, I've been very, very lucky and a lot of luck goes into it i like to think that you bring a lot of talent to this and as it was explained to me so many times it's not about the voice it's about the ability to act even if you're doing the part of the announcer Mm -hmm. that's important because you're playing a part of an announcer right just you know booming voice or anything it's tough getting this work there are a lot of talented people out there and they're not just in la or new york or any of the major cities that used to be traditionally the places where everyone would go to cast everything there are brilliant performers around the country through technology they are now able to work 
but so much of it is luck and timing. It's having people who don't necessarily mentor you, but really advocate for you. And I've tried to do that with other people over the years as well, and hope I've been able to give back to others the way other people were generous and gave to me in the beginning. I love that. Well, where are future opportunities that people can hear you or even see you that people can check out or people will be able to check out in the future uh, <laughs> if you can talk i mean if you can't talk uh, about it then you can't talk uh, about so, it. <laughs> no no such as such as the the cycle of an actor's life i've actually been doing a lot of producing mm -hmm. lately i've been producing lifestyle shows and still doing my voice work i went on from voiceover i you know i did a lot of television and mm -hmm. that was great a lot of recurring roles i played lawyers cops victims and the occasional social worker one of my neighbors once said you know if you weren't an actor you'd have been a great cop and, it's like, <laughs> you know, and since i live in an area that's surrounded by cops that was a real compliment lately i have been doing a lot of dubbing which is really interesting you know with the rise of a lot of the streaming services like netflix and hbo max there is just this constant hunger for content and netflix especially has been buying a lot of foreign television mm -hmm. programs and a lot of films and making those available and you know whenever i see a film that's been done or a television show that's been done you know somewhere outside of the u.s I like to hear it in the original because being good at voiceover, you also have to have a good ear. So I really love to listen and I'm more of a subtitle type guy, right. but there are a lot of people who aren't and they mm -hmm. want to hear Americans or English speakers doing the parts. I've done a number of shows for Netflix in the last year. One of the ones that I really enjoyed doing was just coincidentally, one of my favorite shows. Uh -huh. It's a terrific show called Border Town. Okay. It's uh, a Finnish television show. And I did, the number three must be lucky for me because I did a three episode arc in that. It was a recurring role. Uh -huh. And I played this really evil character. <laughs> which was easy for me, I dug into my inner evil. So that was a lot of fun. You know, I did, I did a Spanish movie that took place during the Spanish Revolution in 1939. And not only were we the nationalists battling fascists, they were battling zombies. <laughs> so it's a very esoteric kind of film. I've done a lot of other shows uh, over the last year dubbing those. I co-wrote because I've never really given up a, a script with a longtime friend and I'm going to give a shout out to her, Jessica Cabot. And we wrote this as a vehicle for ourselves. I've known Jessica since she was in college. She's now in her 30s. She's one of those people that I've really tried to help mentor. And she's mm -hmm. terrific. She's gone off and done a lot of stuff on her own. She created a show called Shitty Boyfriends. It was produced by Lisa Kudrow, and it was part of a, a streaming series. But we wrote this film. We actually just shot some of it about a month ago. And it's kind of a black comedy. I'm like a curmudgeonly grandfather, and she's my heroin-shooting granddaughter who's just gotten out of prison. She's in sobriety. She's connecting with me for 
the first time, really. It was mm -hmm. a granddaughter I never knew that I had. It's a relationship about family and what constitutes a family. There are some interesting twists, but we began shooting that, and we're doing it piecemeal because shooting these things, even low budget, does require money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so we're raising money as we go. And the indie feature is called Salvation Mountain. I'll leave it at that. I'm very excited about that and looking forward to finishing that. That all sounds incredible. Mr. Best, thank you for your time and telling the story. And that's inspiring. And also, as I said before this, probably the best sounding interview we've ever done in the history of Talking <laughs> Me 94. So thank you for your time. This is uh, so, so great. Terrific. I'm, I'm glad to have spent some time. Thank you so much again to Blair for his time and for coming on the show. Absolutely fantastic. Head to his website to see even more of his work at BlairBest.com. I also want to give a huge shout out to David and Echo Bay Signings for helping set this up. Head to EchoBaseSignings.com to get autographs from all your favorite voice acting talent. Uh, they really are incredible. But that's all for this week. Much more to come next. So if right now you can leave a five-star rating and review for the show, it means so much and really helps us out. Thank you. Until next week, stay tuned, leave that five-star review, and may the force be with you.